As the scandal at PwC continues to unfold by the day, pressure's growing for revelations that the firm abused confidential government information to one of the first investigations for the new National Anti-Corruption Commission. The heat's also turning up on the regulatory body overseeing the tax advice industry to hand over names of PwC partners who have been forced to take immediate leave on suspicions they might have exploited the tax leak for their own benefit rather than protecting taxpayers from tax avoidance schemes. The ABC senior business correspondent Peter Ryan is covering the scandal at PwC. Peter joins us now. Uh, Peter, these revelations have been dominating Senate estimates hearings for more than a week now, really. But what have we learned about the lack of powers regulators seem to have when it comes to reining in that bad behaviour? Well, good morning, Tom. That's been a common theme given the myriad of bodies and rules. And we had a little bit of a flashpoint yesterday when... And the body known as the Tax Practitioners Board fronted Senate estimates. Now, the TPD is there to enforce professional standards in the tax industry and has powers to penalise tax advisers who break the rules or skirt close to breaking them. In other words, dodgy or unethical behaviour. Now, the board had investigated PwC's former international tax partner, Peter John Collins, for a long period, and in January this year, the board quietly announced on its website that Mr Collins had been banned for two years for failing to act with integrity as required under his professional, ethical and legal obligations. All of this in relation to the now infamous breach of confidentiality where Mr Collins shared information about plans for a multinational tax crackdown in 2015 uh, which allowed PwC partners to develop a scheme to work around the new laws. The Green Senator Barbara Pocock grilled the Tax Practitioner Board's newly installed Chairman Peter DeCure yesterday afternoon, noting the board actually had two former PwC partners on there with them on the board. And in this exchange, Senator Pocock wanted to know why Mr Collins wasn't hit with the maximum fine or the matter referred to other legal bodies rather than him being hit with a smaller fine and and suggesting that a bigger fine would have sent a message that ethical breaches wouldn't be tolerated. Why no referral to seek a financial penalty? Why no fine? Um, The average taxpayer faces a fine. In in this instance, as I said, we we imposed the sanctions that we thought to be appropriate. Why only a two-year ban? For Mr Collins, why not the the maximum five? Where we use the five year, it's typically for uh, recidivist behaviour where there is no remorse, where there is a clear disregard for the law on a consistent and ongoing basis. What criteria will uh, Mr Collins be required to meet to be re-registered? What uh, evidence will you look for a reformed person who meets the standard of honesty and integrity that the Code of Conduct require? If he were to reapply, he would have to meet all of the registration requirements of education and practical experience within the last 12 months. He would also have to establish to the committee that he was a fit and proper person at the time of his application. I look forward to that. I don't think we'll ever see an application. So two members of the Tax Practitioners Board are former partners of PwC. 
Is that the reason you didn't suspend PwC? No. The two board members who were partners of PwC, they were excluded from all discussions in relation to this matter. They left the room whenever this matter came up. They did not participate in any way, shape or form in the Board Conduct Committee's work. So there was no ability for them to influence these decisions. Tax Practitioners Board Chairman Peter DeCure there being grilled by Greens Senator Barbara Pocock. Peter Ryan is with me in the studio. Peter, just away from the PwC scandal uh, for a moment, if that's okay, the hearings were underway. The uh, latest inflation data was released at the same time. Not good news. That's right, Tom. Uh, Hopes um, had been rising that inflation was falling, but in the 12 months to April, inflation actually increased to 6.8%, up from 6.3% in the March reading, though it's still well down from that peak of 8.4% that we had in December. The ABS uh, says that uh, a big contributor here was automotive fuel. You might remember in um, the Coalition's final budget, they decided to halve the fuel excise, and that was something that Labor inherited. Well, that um, halving ended late last year and that's now been going back into the economy. So the unwinding is one of those main reasons why inflation is ticking up. That's according uh, to analysis from the ABS. The Reserve Bank Board meets next Tuesday. Just while I've got you there, what are the chances of another rate rise amongst all of this? Well, uh, evidence that inflation is rising or in the best case it's uh, looking pretty sticky. We'll have the Reserve Bank on alert. And then yesterday in Senate estimates, uh, the Reserve Bank Governor was speaking and he was saying that the board will be doing whatever it takes to get inflation back down to that 2 to 3% target band, although they are being pretty careful about not being too aggressive in raising rates because that would come at a cost of a higher unemployment. Money markets had actually been predicting that rates would be staying on hold next Tuesday at the June 6 meeting for the RBA. But now the chances are rising for a 12th consecutive rate rise, which if delivered could take the cash rate to 4.1%. And that could be the final blow for some households who are dealing with surging mortgage repayments and the rising cost of living. Okay, Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Peter Ryan with me there in the studio, the ABC. Senior Business Correspondent.